Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And today, we're going to talk about something that's important to everybody, whether you're an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, whether or not you work inside a business, you have a side hustle, whatever it is, we can't do our jobs without embracing technology. And so I actually, with all the changes that are going on in the world of technology and social media and mobile, I actually sought out who is one of the smartest people I know who can talk about this. Because as you all know, if you've been paying any attention, LinkedIn has just changed its interface. And it's confusing and it's different, and yet it's really the same, or is it? So I decided that what I wanted to do is bring my friend Phil Gerbyshack onto Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. And instead of going through sort of the regular questions about how did someone become an entrepreneur and what advice do they have, today I wanted to simply talk about LinkedIn and maybe some other related social media stuff that's going on. Now, Phil is an expert in technology, social selling, leadership. He is a speaker, a trainer, a coach, and he is truly an expert in LinkedIn. If you if you want to know anything about LinkedIn, Phil Gerbacek is one of the people you got to go to. And so I asked him to come on the show and we're going to talk everything LinkedIn. Hey, Phil, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Woohoo! So glad to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me on, buddy. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad that you're on. So tell everybody a little bit more about your business. I hate reading bios and trying to describe what people do. I think it's so much better when someone can just put it into their own words. So who is Phil Gerbyshek and, and what do you do? Yeah, so who am I? So I love technology and love to work with the latest tools to understand how they actually can play into your business. That's really important to me. So I love that. And I do uh, stuff. If it's on your computer or on your mobile, I'm probably your guy. So I speak on that. I do training on that. And I coach people one-on-one on how to do that. And I love, love, love LinkedIn because while I love technology, I love technology for what it does for me. It helps me connect to the cool people like you, Tom, that know smart stuff that I can learn from and that I can share with uh, my experiences and my business with. So, Phil, what led you to become an entrepreneur? Well, I mean, how did you sort of get into this world of working for yourself and, and being the Phil Gerbacek that we all know and love? <laughs> Thanks, Tom. So, <laughs> well, you know, I started my blog in 2005. I'd been playing in technology really since very early on when I programmed on a cassette tape on a TRS-80 just simple programs. And then when I went in the Navy in the 90s, got more involved in technology and swear to God, thought it was fake. Thought technology was fake because, you know, the internet was at 9,600 baud. So I did that and thought I wanted to be a teacher and then got a job as a stockbroker and realized, oh my goodness, the internet is real. Technology is going to change our life. And so I delved into it. I started getting really deep. I got a bachelor's in computer science. I was uh, learned how to do online trading back before Scott Trade and all those cool sites that we know and love uh, today and really started embracing the internet. And then in 2005, I started a blog. And then in May of that year, this LinkedIn thing came along and I was like, wow, 
You mean to tell me that I am six degrees or less from everybody in the stinking world? And back then, the joke was six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Yep, I was just going to make a joke. It's still the joke. I was just going to make that joke. Yeah, right? But now it's not six degrees, Tom. And that's what's awesome. We are literally less than two and a half people away from almost anybody in the world due to LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook and our blogs and stuff like that. So I thought, wow, I can marry my love of technology with my love of people and I can do this stuff. So in 2008, I gave my two-year notice in corporate America. <laughs> um, yeah, I did. And uh, my boss is like, so what the heck are you going to do then? If you, you quit, I'm like, well, I'm going to learn how to use this to make some money. So I started coaching advisors, financial advisors and salespeople on how to use LinkedIn to make some money. And back then it was easy to be accidental. It was like, hey, Tom, don't forget to update your status with the fact that you're going to be having coffee at the local coffee shop on Tuesday and come hang out with me if you like me. Well, that used to be like a personal message. And whether it was Twitter or LinkedIn or Facebook, that's how it started. Well, then when I left my job in 2010, the internet started becoming a whole lot more strategic. And by 2000. 14, 2015, after I jumped back into corporate for a little while, I decided, you know what, I have a lot more to give on my own. So I quit my job uh, again, actually, April Fool's Day of 2016, after being a director of social strategy at a software company based in Redwood City, California, and back doing my own cool thing. And I do it because I love it. I love the impact that it has. And I love the fact that I can be doing my own thing, my own way, doing my own impact, my own way of influencing people and not have to really be holding to anybody except for my customers. And I love that. So, Phil, you know, two things that are very interesting that you brought up, the first one being that you quit your job on April 1st, 2016. And it made me laugh because anyone who listens to the show knows that April 1st, 2009 the bottom of the recession is when I got laid off and had to start my own full-time adventure. That's and, right. And so, you know, the irony of it all happening on April 1st isn't lost on me when you said that. So. <laughs> and the other thing, you talked about the fact that in 2005, you started your blog. It was March 2005 that I started the Some Assembly Required blog. And I don't know if you remember, that's how we initially crossed paths, is you reached out to me. Because back in those early days of blogging and when Twitter came along, they really were social. You found someone else who wrote on a similar topic and, oh, you're writing about connecting with people. Hey, my name's Phil. And then you would trade emails and sometimes, you know, you would become friendly with people. I remember, you know, when like Twitter was this real community, there was a woman who was going to be visiting Austin and she put out a thing saying, oh, and she worked in tech. I was going to be in Austin. And like 40 people showed up at the bar just because they followed her on Twitter. And now you could say, oh, I'm, I'm visiting Tampa. You know, I'll be at the such and such bar and no, you'd sit there by yourself. <laughs> yes, I remember those impromptu tweet-ups, Tom. I met a lot of great people. And, of course, I remember you. And one of the things that I remember most, Tom, was that you were also a Blogspot blogger. At the time, that was a big deal and, and because I, the platform we thought mattered. And I never stopped. I, my blog is still, you know, however many years it's been, 12 years later, my blog wow. is still on Blogspot. And the reason is is that I never really thought that – it was worth it to do everything it took to change. And I still get really good like search engine optimization from it. So like to start over with a brand new blog just doesn't seem worthy. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Right. If we've been doing this a long time, we sometimes think that, uh, you know, that migrating 
may not make a difference, and many times it won't make a difference. But anybody new is probably starting on WordPress oh, sure. or Squarespace sure. or something else. Well, of course, I don't think anybody's starting on Blogspot today. But you know. yeah, I, well, that's not true. I do see people do that because it is built into Google, and a lot of people don't even realize that they're on Blogspot. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Phil, so I brought you on the show because LinkedIn, that we both know and love, has gone through some mm-hmm. really big changes. But I don't think most people out there, because they're so busy growing their businesses or just doing what they do every day, I don't think a lot of people have even realized this change has happened. And what does it mean? So walk us through what has just happened on LinkedIn. Sure. So let, let's rewind uh, about, a, about a year, maybe nine months. Microsoft bought LinkedIn. Cha-ching. For they bought, yeah, for yeah. a lot. $26 billion with a B dollars. That's a lot of money. So Microsoft said, you know what, LinkedIn, you're leaving money on the table, and we need to do a better job of monetizing that. And we really think that you're part of our social sales stack. So we're going to integrate you into Microsoft. So the first thing that they did, of course, was nothing. They did nothing nine months ago. It didn't change. And I really, I can tell you that I expected that there would be faster change I should have known better. Microsoft is not known for changing things right away. In fact, uh, often they buy and kill. But So they did, though, say, hey, we're going to keep the core people intact, and we're going to try to make this an even more valuable platform. So what they did, starting about three months ago, is they started rolling out the completely new interface of LinkedIn. And actually, I have friends of mine that got it as long ago as six months, and then Microsoft slash LinkedIn would take it away for a month or two and then give it back with some enhancements. But about three months ago, they started rolling this out. And what it really means for us, because we're only at about 85, maybe 90% penetration, what this means for us is that it is now a very similar experience to what you see on your mobile device, which I think is an amazing thing because it used to be, if I was training on LinkedIn, my goodness, I'd have to teach you how to use the, the mobile version and the iPad version and the desktop version. And if you're on your laptop, maybe that was a different version. And if you're on Windows, that might be yet another version or Mac or whatever. So they have unified the platform and taken some of the features that were, I think, already premium features that they were letting us test and get acclimated to and, and make better that were free, and now they've made it as part of their subscription service. So whether you're a job seeker, whether you're a salesperson, whether you're a recruiter, those three fields now, they have very premium products for them that have even more capabilities. So as a as a entrepreneur, what you really need to be aware of is that if you're really going to sell, you need to pay to use the tool because now it's the investment of being on LinkedIn instead of just, oh, it's this free tool to be really nice to have. Now it's a must have. Now it's no longer optional that you use it. In fact, it's so not optional. I recommend to all my clients that if you're doing any social selling, that you absolutely must upgrade to Sales Navigator. So I have upgraded to Sales Navigator, and I'm playing with it, and it's, it's, it's okay, but I know I'm not, I'm not touching on one one-hundredth of what it can probably do. So, and I think a lot of people are like saying right now, uh, what's Sales Navigator? So let's, let's take a step in that direction. What is Sales Navigator, and why do we care? Sure. So Sales Navigator is LinkedIn's premium sales product, and when you think about what does that mean? 
That means that of the 400 or 450 million people that are using LinkedIn, you now have the potential to contact absolutely any one of them in order to use the platform in a meaningful way. And that's really important. That's the big, that's the big play here is in a meaningful way. So for example, one thing that you can do is that you can now circle a person as a lead then you can follow people in their organization, in their company, and then slim that down. Because one of the challenges before with LinkedIn is that I, once you get over 100 connections, my goodness, that, that feed is just overwhelming. And then there's no way to slice and dice it. There's no way to say, you know, I only want to look at people that are at this company. And there was no way to do that before. I mean, you might tag them and You'd have to go through one by one. But now Sales Navigator gives you that beautiful look at just the company you want to target or just a position you want to target. And it really offers you a CRM-like experience, a customer relationship management tool type experience where you can slice and dice these 400, 450 million people using LinkedIn in meaningful ways so that you can keep up with them and make it more intimate, much like we used to have with Twitter a hundred years ago. So I, I played with it and sent some direct messages uh, using the in-mail feature to several people. I, I have a new program that's perfect for sales meetings. I have this program called The Paradox of Potential, and it's getting really good rev reviews from audiences. And everybody's like, oh, this has to come to my sales team. So I reached out to a bunch of sales managers, and I think I sent out, I don't know, 30 in-mail direct – each one personalized a little bit to try and make it you know a little bit better than a cut and paste – and within 24 hours, I heard directly back from three with a positive type thing. Now, not like you're hired, but like, oh, you need to speak to so-and-so in our business because they handle our sales meeting. Uh, one said, please send me more information. It sounds like something I'd be interested in. And the other one was somewhere in between those two. And then I heard three people who declined it and said, I'm not interested. Leave me alone, kid. You bother me. But, you know, that was interesting because if six people replied in a day just off of a LinkedIn in email – that was actually a pretty good response rate, I thought, for sending 30 emails. It's a great response rate, Tom. Think about that. If you're going to make cold calls, how many of those would you get? And I would ask you, had you done even more to personalize that and make that one of two ways? One, you make it all about what you have in common. So perhaps some of those sales managers were already connected to people that you knew. So you could now say, you know what, because you're friends with Phil and Phil says I'm awesome, you should talk to me because now you'll get even more value from me. Okay? That's going to so be one way. That's going to be my next tactic is all sales managers connected to Phil Gerbachek are going to be who are going to well, get my next letters. It should be. I mean, and I mean that genuinely, Tom, that uh, you should be picking out who are your best referral sources. And how can you leverage them? Again, this is why you have Sales Navigator. So you can look and you can say that, but even better, one of the things you can do is you can now ask for an introduction to those people. In fact, I would tell you, don't use Sales Navigator to make that connection. Use Sales Navigator to do the research, absolutely. But then actually make that connection, Tom, I'd actually tell you to pick up the phone and call, hey, Phil. I see you know this person. Would you be willing to send a mutual email or better yet, maybe to schedule a conference call with us so that we can have a chat about how I've helped you 
and how that might help them. Hmm, so that's, that's where I go. So that's one way to get even better response. The second way to get even better response is to mention something that you have in common other than a person. Because ultimately, when you think about it, Tom, and you're a, you're a really good networker, if you're thinking about this, your whole goal should be what is in common or what is different about those people. That's the question you should ask. And when you add that in an in-mail, it becomes even more powerful. Well, and I, I've done that for some businesses. I've reached out for, for speaking opportunities in Pittsburgh because my daughter is in school at Carnegie Mellon. And I've reached out to people in the meetings business who are in Pittsburgh and talked about how much I love the city and how my daughter is there and, and basically how now's a great time to get me there because they could probably negotiate my price. And I've actually picked up gigs in, in Pittsburgh because people in Pittsburgh love Pittsburgh. And by saying I love your city and here's why I know about it. Uh, I've actually picked up work that way. Now, not through LinkedIn, but I could see where that, where your point about finding that connection really does make a difference. Yeah. And LinkedIn Sales Navigator allows you then to get even more specific. So you could target then all the sales managers in the Pittsburgh area so you could make an even more relevant pitch. Hmm. That's important. And I would encourage you, though, remember, in mail, LinkedIn is for the next logical step not always for directly doing business. So you might want to warm them up a little bit of, hey, here are a, here's the problem that I've seen in your industry. And by the way, if you're looking for the answer, let's talk because it's me. <laughs> so what does it cost to pay to be on Navigator? So it depends. Sales Navigator can cost you anywhere from $50 a month all the way up to $80 a month. And I say it depends because it does depend. LinkedIn is still testing out their pricing and they do give you discounts for um, if you sign up for a whole year in advance. So it really depends how much it, it's going to cost. So somewhere between 50 and 80. And here's what I'd tell you. If you've never used Navigator before, go and get a trial of Sales Navigator. Go ahead and get a trial, and often they'll give you one month or three months free so you can learn to use it and then determine whether or not it's right for your business. But I promise you, if you don't actually use it, if you just sit on it and say, well, I've got three months, I promise you it will be a waste of money and a waste of time, and you will call me and say, Phil, Sales Navigator sucks. <laughs> so I encourage you instead to really go strategic and think about what are the ways that I can do what I'm already doing and use LinkedIn instead of the existing tool? Or that I can augment my existing processes and use LinkedIn to do that. That's what I'd encourage folks to do. That's how to be successful. It's not just, hey, look at this. It's a magic tool. And I'm on Sales Navigator, so all this business is going to come to me. That's not how it works. Yeah, and you know, I mean, that's the thing that's happened in this world of social media is we've spent a decade where everybody's looking for a like, a link, a share, or a follow to be some sort of a magic wand, and it's just not. You have to you have to cultivate the relationships just like you do if you show up at the Chamber of Commerce and eat the chicken dinner. The chicken dinner does not cause you to have any business done. You have to actually talk to people and cultivate those relationships over the long run. Absolutely. That it's the same way. I mean, and and honestly, Tom, it always has been. We just saw some accidental success with people. So everybody thought that's the case study. No, right. the case study is people who know exactly who their target is, who have great messaging, who reach out with relevant information at the right time to get the next logical step and then work the process to close the business. That's how LinkedIn works. And that's how business works in general. It's not lucky. 
there's no unintentional acts of commerce that are happening. It is all about being intentional and doing the right thing for the right reasons and adding value to our prospects, customers, and referrals lives. That's all that matters. Well, it does amaze me how many people who think being connected on LinkedIn or Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat or any of these, that somehow being connected to people that they're like, well, you got to connect to everybody, you know, because you never know who's going to send you business. And I'm like, you know, never has a stranger ever woken up in the middle of the night who I haven't cultivated a relationship with and said, we need to hire that guy. You know, people just aren't wired to go out of their way to look up strangers they know nothing about and send referrals. I mean, yeah, there's there's exceptions to that rule. But, you know, I talk to people all the time and I say, you know, we've had this social media tools now for 10 or 12 years. Does anybody feel like they're better connected? And the people who've worked it, you know, which is a tiny percentage are like, yeah, but the average American and probably the average person around the world, people tell me all the time in the audiences I speak to that they don't feel like they have more friends. And, and some people actually go as far as to say they feel more disconnected in our social media crazy world. Yeah, they, well, they do. And, and that's because of the illusion of intimacy, Tom. That's the biggest fallacy on social media because we're connected. Therefore, we are friends. That is so not true. And I would tell you that there are maybe at most, if you're a hyper networker, maybe 300 people you can remember and keep up with. Maybe 300 people. But most human beings can keep up with between 100 and 200 people. Yeah, there's actually, I forget what it's called, but there's actually a number they said that when in ancient societies, when villages got to like 140 people, they'd split off and a new village would start. And so, you know, it used to be they, they sort of said the brain was wired for a certain size around that 150 or whatever, where you can keep relationship. It got hard when it got bigger than that. Yeah, it's it's Dunbar's. Dunbar's yeah, Dunbar, the Dunbar curve. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yep. So but but I would say, you know, that's I. I I say 100 to 200 because, you know, some people can handle less. Some can handle a little more. But my point to that is, is this. If you don't know who your target is, if you're not intentional, you know, you could be connected to 6,000 people and they could all be the right 6,000 people and you still could not get any business. On the other hand, if you're super intentional and have a network of 150 people, you could be getting more business than you can handle. I fully so agree. So have a strategy and make it right. So, Phil, there's been a lot of talk, though, from people, if you follow this on, online, both on, you know, it, it, people are posting it on every site that they're, I'm so mad at LinkedIn. Oh, they've changed the interface. It's horrible. Why are people, why are people freaking out? It sounds like you think it's better. Yeah, they're freaking out. Two reasons. So first of all, is the universal people don't like change. <laughs> True. Okay, that's the first reason. But the second reason is they feel like somehow LinkedIn and Microsoft owe them to let them use their product for free. And I hear that over and over again. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe that they're so profit first. Well, last I checked, <laughs> Microsoft is not a charity. Okay, so get over it, right? If you're making money or trying to make money with a tool, any tool, I don't care what it is, or with a person, you should pay them, period. End of story. Now, that's that's just universal, right? That's business. That's commerce, how it works. But there's one other reason, and this is this is valid, and that is the interface isn't perfect. There are still things that don't work as well as it could. Some things are inconsistent. They're still rolling this out. They're still testing it, still trying to improve it. So yes, if that's your complaint, oh my goodness, this feature 
Not that it's taken away and moved to premium. That just shut up. That's too bad. I don't care. That's that's Microsoft non-charity. But if it's you know this like for instance, I hear comments on mobile work kind of weird because sometimes it's easy to tag people and sometimes it's hard and sometimes they expand and sometimes I can't even find the stinking comment. Yeah, absolutely. That's a valid concern, and I think Microsoft will work hard to fix as many of those bugs as they can, but. Seriously, folks, there's probably 10 million moving parts on this thing. And to have found maybe 50 or 100 bugs truly is a small, small number. So be, be patient. Continue to document them. Look for workarounds. Follow experts that understand LinkedIn. So as things change, you can keep up with the changes. But I promise you, this is actually a much better experience than it's ever been because now you get consistency across the platform that you never had before. So, Phil, having been a speaker on the, on the topic of networking and human connection for God, 12 years now, if you count the four years I did it part time before eight years ago going full time, this has always been a topic people have asked. So I've always had to sort of keep up with it, although I've never been sort of a, an expert on the social media side, but I've always been an early adopter. I've always tried all the things because I have to be able to, to answer the questions. But one of the things that I've seen is that now that we've been doing this for 12 years, for a long time, everybody, I'd go speak to audiences and people said, well, I think this LinkedIn thing is a fad, or I think this Facebook thing is a fad. I think we've gotten to the point where Nobody says that anymore. I think we've realized that social media and online and mobile, th these things are here to stay. But you said something earlier about having a plan, having a strategy. If someone has just sort of been, you know, dabbling around, what's the first step for them to create a plan and a strategy with, with LinkedIn or any of these tools? Well, the, the first plan that you need, the first strategy that you need is you need to understand who you are trying to serve and what assets do you have that are valuable for those people? If you can start there with understanding who your audience is and what is valuable to them, you can get started then adding value to their lives and their business. But if you don't start there, oh my goodness, it's going to be a big waste of time. You're going to work a lot harder than you need to, and you're not going to earn a lot of business. So you've coached a bazillion people in this area. What are some of the common mistakes, like a little more detailed than just not having a plan? What are some of the common mistakes that entrepreneurs and business people alike make? Well, one of the biggest mistakes is they try to close on the platform. So for, for instance, sending a note to somebody, hey, let's do business together, and here are 64 reasons why on your connection request or on your first in-mail is a big no-no. Now, sometimes if you've added value and you've identified pain and you've gone for that, sometimes, especially if you're talking to C-level, C-suite people, sometimes, maybe 10% of the time, you're going to hit the bullseye and you're going to get business. But most people, if you try to marry them before you even meet them and know their name, they're going to be like, black, stop. Get your tongue out of my mouth. This is not okay. So that's <laughs> okay, the first there's, problem. There's the first visual for the day I won't be able to get out of my mind. There you go. You're welcome, Tom. <laughs> Thank so, you. And uh, second, second one is along those lines of no plan, that is having a plan that's to be super private using social media. So if you're thinking, I'm going to get business, but you know what? I'm only going to connect to people that I've had a cup of coffee with. <laughs> it's going to be hard to use social media because here's the thing. Can you predict, Tom, 
where your next piece of business is going to come from. Kind of. Kind of. Yep. But not exactly right. You don't know that it's going to be this person or that person. But here's what I can predict for you. And that is if you connect to 100 people at some point, one or two of them, if you have a plan, will be someone that you can either get business from, refer business to, or you can have a real conversation that says, nope, we are not a fit. Okay, so what I want to encourage you to do is think about who is your ideal customer and then find ways to connect to them and then other real people on social media. So just create whatever real person is for you. Now that could mean that they have to have a picture and they have to have a profile that's written in language that you can read and that they have to have, you know, 50 or more connections, or they have to have a complete profile, whatever it is, just create your baseline of who you, who humans are that you'll connect with. And then here's the thing, accept them into your network and start a conversation. If they don't start a conversation back, then disconnect, go away. Or if they try to sell you too soon, then disconnect, go away. You don't have to stay connected to anybody on any platform anymore, but it doesn't hurt you to say, yep, Tom, you can come into my network. So, so I have rules. So That's I've, cool. I've always taught a little bit different. We've argued about this in the past, and that is I've always tried with LinkedIn and Facebook. Some of the other ones are different. I've always tried to stick to – I want to have had a conversation with people because it's the pet shop owner in Topeka that makes no sense. But what it always comes back to when I talk to people with you is it's not the exact policy that you have. It's have a policy. And then also, like I tell everybody, if a meeting planner or a sales manager reaches out to me, I always accept it because I'm not an idiot. If somebody reaches out to me who I could do business with, I always do it. But it's the random ass people that, you know, are the ones that scare a lot of people off from this stuff because there are people, and you have to agree, who their policy is linked to everyone who breathes air. And I just don't think that that's the way to use these tools. No, well, uh, you notice, though, I said accept connections. I did not say seek out connections with random people. Right. So accepting connections, I think, first of all, if they buy Sales Navigator, they already have access to your network. If they sent you an invitation, they already have access to everybody you have. OK, so that's the first thing to remember. The second thing to remember, and, and that's whether, you know, they might have to search for it, whatever it is. But at the same time, you know, people, it, it, frankly, people are not as slimy as we think. Most people, if they're even if they're numbers driven. Don't do anything with that connection, Tom. That's why if they somebody sends me an invitation, I'm going to most of the time, if they look human, I'm going to accept. Now, I also, though, will reply and ask them, hey, Tom, you sent me a connection. It's not immediately clear why we should connect. So can you let me know so that I can, you know, so that I can better understand how I can help you? So ask the question. There's nothing wrong with right. that. And that's what I've always... I would. And that's one of the things I've always taught. So I had a person who reached out to me on Facebook years ago, and I knew who he was. He comes from a famous family, and he lives in the town that I live in. And I replied back saying, I don't just randomly accept you know, things, but I know I have a client in your building. I'm there every week. Why don't we grab a cup of coffee in the Starbucks? And his assistant wrote me back and said, he's not looking to connect. He's compiling a list for when he does a political run which made me barf in my mouth a little bit. Um, so I think that, the, you know, I think you can have some lines of, you know, finding out who the people are and what their intention is. And if their intention is, I don't really care about you, I'm collecting numbers, then freaking move on. Absolutely. Totally agree. Yep. 
I, I completely agree with you, Tom. That we're we're of the same mind there. I think I just you know I'm I'm more accept first and block and sp- and re- report a spam later. <laughs> so any other tips for people who are saying you know yeah 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 you know after twelve years of looking with my head in the sand I need to get serious about this. So uh, a couple tips here. So one is complete your profile. Believe it or not, less than seventy five percent of people actually have completed profile. So complete your profile. Okay. It's so important. Second of all, doggone it, have a picture that actually looks like you. I have someone who actually wanted me to coach them, who I have said no repeatedly over the last seven years because his picture is still from when he first started in the insurance industry in 1973, the year I was born. Nice. So no, that's not okay. You must have a picture that looks like you because here's the thing. Trust is built on the internet through our imagery and what we consistently do. So if I see a picture of you and I'm like, and then I meet you in person and immediately I'm like, Oh, that's not Tom Singer. That's not the Tom I was expecting to meet. He had blonde hair in that picture. They're like, ah, and whether we consciously or unconsciously think about it, there is a disconnect and there is a lack of trust. And, so and that's I, the second thing. And, and I fully agree with the picture thing. I, I always say that you got to change your picture every couple of years and we're getting older. And you know what? If you look older, that's just sort of the way it is. But I recently uh, had a client. I'm speaking at their conference in, two, in a week and they had me write for their association magazine. And I don't know where they, they pulled the picture off the Internet. And so the picture of me is a 12-year-old picture. I am like 40 years old, 38 years old in that picture. And damn, I'm young and good looking. But uh, I was like, oh, my God, what were you? They f-? And it's, of course, in print in the magazine, all this. I'm like, oh, my God, I look like the guy who sent out the 12-year-old picture. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's the thing, right? You have to keep that up to date. And when that happens, this is why LinkedIn is typically the first place that people will find you. So this is even more why you have to fill out your profile and put your picture because it's a credibility thing. People look you up. If they, if they say, hey, I'm going to go have coffee with Tom Singer, I'm going to do a Google search. And yeah, okay, Tom has TomSinger.com. But I would also tell you, if you look him up, LinkedIn is top five, maybe top two. Oh, yeah. Holy crap. People are looking at that. And in most cases, people don't have their name dot com. In most cases, for most business people, you know, it's their company website and they may not even have a profile. If you work for Coca-Cola, unless you're the CEO or something, you don't have a profile. So LinkedIn is where people go to look you up. So you're absolutely right. Yep. Thanks. So so those are the first two. And And then the last thing I would say about this is actually spend some time there. Invest 15 minutes, two or three times a week on your smartphone, on your laptop, on your desktop, on your iPad, on your Android tablet, doesn't matter. Spend 15 minutes, two or three times a week, once you've developed a plan, once you have a good profile, and try to do some business there. Because I promise you, there are opportunities abound on LinkedIn because a lot of people are like we just talked about. They're waiting for somebody to reach out. So reach out. Be one of those people. The average, the average time, ready for this time, per month that people spend on LinkedIn, 17 minutes. Wow, that's in a month. That's 30, a seconds, month. A day. That's 30 seconds a day. That's 30 seconds a day. I just, spent so 30 se- I just spent 30 seconds on LinkedIn while you were talking. No, that's not true. 
You spent the last 30 minutes. I'm, I'm watching you, Don. <laughs> hey, Phil, I really appreciate you jumping on here and talking about this topic. And I know that, you know, the regular listeners are probably just like they've taken a page of notes there. They've pulled the car over because they have to write it all down. But here's the thing. If somebody's listening to this and they think, I need help. I, I, the time has come for me to get serious about LinkedIn. I need to understand it. The changes make it harder. I don't understand Navigator. I need to hire a coach. How in the world does someone find Phil Gerbachek and get you to work with them? Sure. That's a great question. And that's really simple. You can go to LinkedIn and <laughs> put in Phil Gerbachek, G-E-R-B-Y-S-H-A-K, and send me an invitation. Customize it and tell me, hey, I heard you on Tom Singer's podcast. And you can also call me, ready, old school, 414 And if you're an introvert and shy, then send me a text. That's my cell phone. I would love to coach you, love to help you. If you're listening to Tom's podcast, you're somebody that I need to know. So feel free to reach out. Hey, repeat that phone number one more time. Absolutely. It's 414-640-7445. Perfect. I wrote that down so that I can put it on the notes for the show and uh, hopefully everybody will pick up the phone and just call and you'll be so annoyed. You'll be like, God, cool things. People just call all the time, night and day. They just want to hire me. Awesome. Well, if that is true, Tom, if that happens, then I promise you at the NSA convention this year, I will buy you dinner. Uh, awesome. Hey, call him, annoy him, buy the crap out I of Phil's so. stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Phil, thanks for jumping on here. Like I said, I think it's an important topic for those of you who, who uh, listen, I say it every time. If it wasn't for you, there'd be no purpose to have a show. So thanks for tuning in. Jump over to the Facebook page and follow us. Uh, or better yet, go over to iTunes and leave a review and say, I listened to the Phil Gerbishak show on cool things entrepreneurs do. And it was great. I love positive reviews. They just make my day better. And if you want to join the group coaching program, which formerly was known as the Cool Things Project, we're in the process of a name change to the Potential Project, because everyone who's in this sort of group coaching mastermind, we all have so much potential, and we're trying to grow it up. I've got a, a mighty group of people, and we get on a Zoom call once a week, and uh, as one person said to me yesterday, you're only charging 600 bucks for six months to jump on the call every week with a group of people. That is the best value of any group coaching program I've ever seen, and I said, yes, it is join now. So anyway, you can go over to TomSinger.com, pull down the about menu, and you'll see a thing that says group coaching program. And every piece of information you could ever want is right there about the potential project. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody just as cool as Phil Gerbachek. But in the meantime, you go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.